Welcome to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a business mindset coach, entrepreneur, and a top competitor in a male-dominated industry. I'm a native Texan, the youngest of all brothers, and a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor recovering perfectionist. I've spent over a decade building my commission-based career, and my life's purpose is helping other women achieve the same multi-six-figure success I achieved before I was 25. I have a passion for helping women with mindset, money, and manifestation skills to help every young woman realize her full potential. If you're looking for vulnerable conversations, professional development, inspiration, or even a kick in the ass to get you motivated, you have come to the right place. Thanks for checking out the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Now let's jump right in to today's topic. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Today, I am so excited to bring you a new guest. Her name is Dr. Sarah Coxon, and we get into so many juicy topics today. I'm really excited for you to listen in. We talk about her experience from science to spirituality and how she's used her understanding of the past to help modern women understand how to harness their feminine power. I can't wait for you to jump in, but before we do, a little bit more about our guest— Dr. Sarah Coxon is an archaeologist turned yoga teacher, activist, author, and business mentor for magical women. She helps women to live their dharma and build profitable, impactful, ethical, and sustainable businesses. She has so much feedback to provide the modern woman looking to really dive into a business that is centered in spiritual activism. So with that, let's jump right in to today's discussion. Good afternoon, Sarah. How are you? Oh, thank you, Brie, for having me. I'm so, so good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So I've already given the listeners a brief description of who you are and what you do, but I'd love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and expand upon what it is that you do and how you got to where you are. Amazing. So my name is Sarah, or Dr. Sarah Coxon, and um, yeah, I once upon a time I was an archaeologist then I became a yoga teacher, then I became a woman's mentor, and now I'm writing. And I guess if I can sum up who I am in a, in a nutshell, it's just someone who's on a mission to help like, play her part to reclaim the feminine. And that's really what my life's work is all about. That's incredible. How did you go or how did you transition from something like an archaeologist, which is very much founded in science, to spirituality? And what did that look like for you? And really, what was your calling? Mm. That's such a good question. So, you know, when I was a child, I, you know, I remember being nine years old, and my teacher was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be an archaeologist. I, you know, for those of you that don't know, you know, an archaeologist um, is like, Indiana Jones, like Tomb Raider, you know, digging for treasure. (laughs) And there was this sense that I had when I was a kid, and especially in my teens as well, when I got into spirituality, I felt that I was missing some kind of ancient knowledge. I felt like there was something that our society has like forgotten. And so I wanted to literally excavate the past. I wanted to connect 
to my ancestors. And so the only way that my brain knew how to do that at that time was to go down the academic route, to go and study archaeology. And so I did my degree and then I did my master's and then my PhD. And during that time, I learned so much about my ancestry. I learned so much about, you know, where our society has come from. And when I say our society, I'm obviously talking about Western, well, globalized society now. But I also realized two things. The first thing I realized was that this feeling of being undervalued as a woman and of the feminine and my feminine ways being undervalued, this wasn't always the case. And I learned more about patriarchy. I learned the origins of patriarchy, where it came from. It came from 4,000 years ago. And that before that, men and women and perhaps other genders we don't know in the archaeological record were living as equals. So I learned this. I learned this sense of, oh, okay, actually, women haven't always been second-class citizens. And the second thing I learned was that I was not meant to be an academic, that the, the structure of academia itself, probably very much like the corporate world, is really dog-eat-dog. And it's, ba- it's formed on hierarchy and dominance and control and progression and climbing the ladder. And I was taught to, you know... basically burn myself out and run myself into the ground to crank out publications and all these things that I was supposed to do to get ahead in my career. And it was ironic because I was operating in an institution that was actually encouraging me to suppress the very feminine magic that I was seeking to actually connect to. So Uh, Back in 2012, I was writing my PhD, I was halfway through, and the unthinkable happened, and my brother died. My older brother died of a drugs overdose. And it was that moment that was the wake-up call for me, where I suddenly realized, okay, I'm not living a life that's true to me. Yeah, this archaeology thing is fun, but actually, I'm not really living my calling. Like, this is a piece of the puzzle, and it's, I, ha- I have to live li- a life that's true to me. And that was like the before and after. I think we all have those moments, don't we, where there's a before and an after that wake up call. And then that was when I started getting really, really into yoga. That's when I started, you know, even though I was absolutely terrified, I started teaching. And eventually I finished my PhD, I left academia and bought a one way ticket to the Philippines and just started channeling what I call my priestesshood there as a yoga teacher. And to cut a long story short from, you know, from that, which was five or six years ago to now, it's been such a twisty, turning journey of just really exploring who I am in the world and what I'm here to offer. And I call this a reclamation of feminine power and divine purpose. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear about your brother as well. But love your story about the growth and and the message you decided to internalize after something so significant in your life. I know that you just wrote a book about this. You talked about stepping into the role of the priestess. So I have a multiple part question. What and who is the priestess? And then why were you so passionate about writing this book called The Way of the Priestess? Mm, I love that question. So... 
What I learned during my time as an archaeologist was although for the past 4,000 years, feminine power declined in the sense that, you know, the feminine was devalued. And when I talk about the feminine, I'm talking about energies, approaches, traits. I'm talking about nature. When I'm talking about women, I'm talking about women or those who identify as women. And it's very, it's very important. We must be clear on what we're talking about. So I, I you know, I, I learned that Throughout the throughout uh, ancient history, we can see that yes, there was a decline in feminine power, but there was there were these portals to reclaiming this power in the way of becoming a priestess. So we can see in ancient Greece there was like a priestess known as the Pythia. She was the oracle of Delphi, and she was a very powerful woman because the the messages that she was conveying from the god Apollo, they were sought by kings and, you know, men in positions of power. So she was arguably more powerful for them. She was giving them counsel. And in ancient Rome, we have the Vestal Virgins. These were women who were born into this role. And they had more status than the average woman. They could own property. They had more say in state affairs. Now they still had to police their bodies. They still had to be chased. So it's not real freedom in the way that we think of it now, but still their status was elevated. So I learn about priestesses as a portal to power back in ancient times. And then as I started to teach yoga, I started to realize that there was some magic happening when I was teaching. I wasn't just teaching a downward dog or, you know, you know, be more flexible. I was bringing people home to themselves. And I recognized, oh my gosh, I'm a channel here. I'm channeling something like something is happening through me. And that was when the priestess started to really make herself known to me. I started to really understand that each and every single one of us, whether we're here to create beauty or write or share our truth or facilitate transformation for another person, we are vessels for a greater unfolding. Consciousness is elevating itself. The feminine is rising and she does that through us. We are the vessels. So this is what I mean about priestesshood. This is what I mean. If you are feeling the call to leave this world a better place than you left it, that is the priestess right there. And I recognize that throughout my life, when I, we can all do this, when we look back on our lives, we can see the red thread that kind of brought us to where we are now. We see the red thread that connects all these different experiences that we had. For me, it was, you know, working as an archaeologist and the yoga and, and coaching. And all of this was me exploring my priestesshood. And I wanted to share that in a book form. So the the book is called The Way of the Priestess, a reclamation of feminine power and divine purpose. And really it is a it's a memoir, but it's also a call to arms for any woman who feels stifled in a society that has told her who she should be. And she's recognizing she wants to play a greater part in the healing of the planet. Mm, I so I mean, I'm getting goosebumps because I so resonate with what you're talking about in terms of being the person that we are told that we should be. And 
This came up a lot for me when I first started my career in commercial real estate. And before I started my career, I manifested an opportunity to go backpack through Europe. And when I left for that trip, I would say that I was pretty much a borderline atheist. Like I wouldn't call myself that, but spiritually, that's pretty much how I was. And while I was abroad, I really started meeting all of these wonderful people that were extremely spiritual. And at some point along the trip, I was convinced to let someone do Reiki on me. And at the time, I was like, oh, this this isn't real. Like, there's nothing to this. Okay, fine. If you're going to keep bothering me about it, sure, do your Reiki, and then I'll be done with it. And I will know that I was right, that this was complete BS, basically. I was looking to disprove this, this idea or this energy healing that people were talking about. And so I lay down. I allow this person to do Reiki. And even with the resistance of, oh, this isn't going to work, I experienced a physical sensation while they were doing the Reiki. And it blew me away because I was like, this this isn't possible. This It's not supposed to be real. Why am I feeling this? I had tingling sensation. I was feeling heat. I could feel this flow happening. And it was really hard to put words to. Like, it's really hard for me to actually describe what it was that I was feeling. But I knew in that moment that this isn't something that I can conceptually understand. This is something that can't necessarily be explained via logic. So after that experience, I really opened up my mind while on that trip and started learning from other spiritual people and learning more about what this Reiki thing was. It really just sort of started a fire for me on what spirituality is. And I really came back from that trip being more agnostic than atheist. But then I was submersed back into this very male-dominated world. And so you're talking about what we should be. And I definitely felt the implications or the, the stress of having to be a woman in business. So hustling and learning about negotiation strategies and just very masculine everything, just how I carried myself, what I wore, how I spoke, the friends that I hung out with. Everything was very much centered around that masculine energy. And even my friends at that time, we'd get together and all we'd talk about is like business and how busy we were, all the things that we were doing. And thankfully, I went to this business or this professional development seminar at one point, and this woman gave us a chart or a wheel, and it had all these different areas of our life. And it had, you know, family and spirituality was on there, lifestyle, nutrition, like all of that, fitness. And she had us rate on a scale of one to 10 where we thought our particular life was in that moment regarding that particular aspect of this wheel. So how did I feel like my romantic relationships were? How was my relationships with my family, nutrition, fitness, spirituality? And when I looked at this wheel, I was off the charts for career and romantic relationship and family and fitness. But spirituality was like zero. There was nothing there. Like the wheel just completely inverted when I got to spirituality. And I had a moment of reflection because at that particular moment, I was not feeling happy in my career. Like I was, something was missing. There was an experience that I had abroad, which felt so light and flowing and good. And it was missing from my career. And so I knew that I wanted to find a way to incorporate that more into my life. And that in order to really get back to that freedom and that that experience that I had abroad, I needed to change something drastically within my life. And I'm still a little skeptical at this point. I'm, I'm still wondering, like, was that just in my head? It was a couple years ago now. Like, 
I'm not sure how real that was. Maybe it was all, maybe, maybe I just dreamed or maybe I've really exaggerated a lot of that feeling now. So I basically went out looking for either confirmation of my beliefs or my disbeliefs. And it's funny how the universe works in synchronicities. And I, I came across a good friend of mine who's in the business world and we'd never talked about spirituality. But one day we got together and we just started talking about it. And she told me about this woman's retreat that was for spiritual women. And I was very hesitant about reaching out about this. I was very reserved. It definitely put me out of my comfort zone to think about even going to a spiritual retreat because I didn't really consider myself a spiritual person yet. And I reached out about the retreat and I was like, you know, what? if it's meant to be, there will be a spot open and I'll get to go. And I reached out and it was full. I was like, okay, well, there you go. We tried. It wasn't meant to be. But the day before the retreat started, I get an email and the woman's like, hey, there's a spot that opened up. One of the attendees couldn't get a flight here. So the spot is yours if you want it. And I jumped on it. I was like, okay, I think this is a sign. I'm going to go to this retreat. And after this retreat, I'm either going to be a believer or I'm not, but I'm going to utilize this to look for some sort of message or some sort of connection to what I felt abroad here and some sort of confirmation that I'm on the right path. Or I need to have this realization that, you know what, I was right to begin with. This spirituality thing isn't for me. It's it's not in alignment with who I am. So I'm like, God, source, love, whatever you are, if you are, <laughs> show me some sort of sign on this retreat that this is meant for me and that this is a path that I should go down. And, and Give me a feeling like I felt abroad with that Reiki session. Like, give me that sort of experience again. And so I went to this retreat really looking for that connection to that feminine power that you're talking about and really looking for a way to either prove it or to get myself on board with that thought process again. And while I'm on this retreat, I had multiple women come up to me. And mind you, this is a retreat of like 20, 30 women who didn't know each other. And I did not communicate my intent to any of them coming to this retreat. But multiple women came up to me throughout the retreat at different times, different days, and just said, hey, I don't know why, but I just felt compelled to tell you that you're on the journey of the high priestess and keep going and you're on the right path. And after hearing that the sixth, seventh, eighth time, I was like, well, shit, what the hell is this high priestess thing? So I pull out my phone and basically what I learned about it is like, you're in the beginning stages of your spiritual journey. You are connecting to the divine feminine and that you are just starting this process for yourself. And as much as my inner skeptic wanted to excuse all of that away or say there's some sort of causation or correlation to why I was getting those statements from everyone, I really just had to sit and think, okay, you know what? I asked for the sign and I, there was too many synchronicities that allowed for me to be here today in this place and receive these messages. I'm in. I am beginning to reclaim my feminine power. I am now stepping into this knowing that this is now going to be a part of my life. And it was uncomfortable because I had to face the fact that I had been living according to what others thought I should be, like what you were talking about. And as I started to embrace this side of me and just understand that this was going to be really awkward for a while, I found that there were other women that felt the exact same way and that were also questioning their own experiences in corporate America and whether or not that still spoke to who they were. And I share this story to say that what you're talking about is extremely important. And 
I really hope that if there's a woman who's in the beginning stage that I was in before I left for my trip and then while I was on my trip, if there's any woman that's in that place and is really questioning their life and if they've been living according to what others thought they should be, that they hear this message and they're able to reevaluate whether or not that's the path they want to continue down. Because I think there's more of us than we realize. And it's fascinating because I feel like there's a wave right now happening. And I know that even some of my friends that are super, super, you know, that we operated in that same toxic masculinity together in corporate, in the corporate world, we've developed closer relationships because we've all kind of gone down this more spiritual path at the same time. And or some of us were already there prior to others. And when we start to make this connection, our bonds are so much stronger and there's so much more synergy happening between us. And I feel like it's growing. I feel like there are more women stepping into this role, like you said, finding their priesthood. Can you talk a little bit about why that might be? Why now? Why are women starting to own this part of ourselves and be, embrace this more spirituality? Or has it always been here? We just become more aware of it. Mm, I love that question. And I love what you shared. And you're absolutely right. There is this uh, wave of reclamation at the moment. When I feel into my answer to this question, I mean, it's clear that women have always been priestesses, but for the past one and a half thousand years in Europe, I'm talking primarily European prehistory and history, we, we've had to suppress it. We've had to suppress it because of the Christian church. You know, actually in early Christianity, there were early priestesses. There were women ordained as priestesses. They were also in roles of teaching the teachings of Christ. But what happened in 400, 500 AD was that, that women became outlawed. And so it's not that women didn't, they, it's not that women stopped living their priestesshood. It's just that they had to do it in secret. They had to do it undercover because we know the witch hunts that happened, you know, a good few centuries later, it wasn't safe to, to be sharing this knowledge outwardly. It wasn't safe. And so like with anything, like once you suppress something, you can only suppress it for a while. And then it's like this pressure builds up and it pops up. It's like with wildflowers. You ever see wildflowers in, you know, urban jungles? You can't suppress them for long. They grow wherever they need to grow. And so what we're witnessing now, it's almost like the pendulum swing. You know, we can see the pendulum swing. The pendulum has to swing one way. And so we're seeing this real reclamation of the feminine. And what will happen, I hope, as we become more conscious is that then we can start to bring the feminine and the masculine into balance. That's really the ultimate goal. That's really the ultimate aim, because it's only when the healthy ma masculine and the healthy feminine are in balance that we can really thrive as, as human beings. Mm, love that answer. And because you're an archaeologist, I would love to know, how did we get out of balance? Like, is that specific to our species as Homo sapiens? Or what caused women to be seen as more inferior as a 400 AD? Why were we forced to step out of that feminine power? Mm. So, I mean, the reason why that happened was because of a man called Augustine of Hippo. He was a, a priest and he was the one that really kind of 
perpetuated the idea of original sin, the idea that it was Eve's fault for, you know, basically encouraging Adam to, you know, take the forbidden fruit. So, yeah, I mean, you can, I think he even wrote an autobiography. So really, I mean, he was, he was the person that kind of like smashed the final nail in the coffin for women, as it were, but it was already happening. So it's kind of wild, actually, that one man was able to kind of shape the next 15 centuries of, yeah, 15 centuries of history for for women. But we see it. We even see it in today's world. I mean, look at the power that someone like Bill Gates has, you know, one man to shape policies in different areas, you know, in climate change, in health so, yeah, really, so, sometimes it is just one person with one view, they're very, very powerful. So that's really what happened, you know, 1,500 years ago. That was a fantastic answer. I, I love hearing some of the historical perspective or reasoning for sort of why we are where we are. So you talk about three regenerative daily practices to help women step into this role as the priestess. Can you talk about what those daily practices are and what else we can just be doing to, to really honor the side of ourselves, especially if we are in a place where we're forced to live in the masculine energy a lot? That's a really good question. One of the first things that I always share with my clients or women who work with me or women who listen to the podcast is that embodiment is key. So we tend to live our lives from the neck up. You know, we're very, we're trained to be very cerebral, very mental. Everything is about thinking, strategy, rationale. And this, there is a place for this. I'm not knocking this. Like I love a good, I love a good dose of logic. But this is, you know, this is very masculine in its trait. The feminine is all about feeling. And so our, the first thing that we can do is to start to create a real relationship with our bodies, to start to bring our awareness out of our minds a bit more consistently and into the felt sense of the body. The reason for this is twofold. First, if we don't feel our emotions, they get stuck. And if they get stuck, it's like they layer and layer and layer each passing situation we just layer on these emotions and they become trauma responses trauma patterns and they can really get in the way of us living happy healthy lives so when we feel our emotions we're actually emoting them the word emotion comes from the word emote which means to move out so we're meant to feel and express our emotions and this is what will free us up this is known as emotional resilience and this is the ability to manage and diffuse challenging emotions. This is like the foundation of uh, free living, as it were. And the second reason for cultivating a relationship with your body is because this is where your intuition lives. Your intuition is a felt sense in your body. It is that feeling of expansion or contraction. It's that feeling of lightness or heaviness, and it's different for all of us. So we have to understand our own felt sense intuition. 
And of course, if we are living life from the neck up, then we can't access this this super tool that we have, this power that we have for impeccable decision making. Because we have been trained that we have to think our way in and out of decisions. But very often the thinking mind is the problem. Our minds are designed to dream and vision, but they're not that great at making decisions. And we know this because, I mean, how many of you listening could, you're clever enough to be able to argue for and against anything? You know, we're with smart beings, whereas your body knows, the body has access to wisdom. And so, yeah, that is, that is what I would say, you know, that's the first port of call is to really form a relationship with your body. And the way that you can do that, you can do that through, you know, mindfulness practices such as yoga nidra, where you're placing your feeling attention around your body. You can do kind of spontaneous free flow yoga where you're really feeling into your body, trying to get out of this idea that when you do yoga, it's because you have to do yoga. Actually, yoga is about union, being, feeling, breathing. And then also just dance. Dance is a fantastic way of connecting with your body so long as you're feeling the sensations of the movement. So really, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the first the first kind of step. And then I would say as well that we we tend to have this idea that it's all on us and the responsibility for everything is all on our shoulders and particularly when we start to recognize, I want to step into my priestesshood, I want to live my legacy, it can actually be very overwhelming. So what I teach my women, my priestesses, is like, you don't have to run from your own battery pack, you get to plug into source. And the way you do that is to ask, is to pray, is to communicate, you know, recognizing that things are coming through you, not from you. And so whenever you're unsure, ask for guidance and you'll see signs and synchronicities and talk to spirit, talk to Mother Gaia. She's there. She's listening. And this is how we live regeneratively. And then a third thing to um, really cultivate in your life is your powers of observation, like really allowing yourself to slow down enough to observe. So not just what's going on in your body, but to observe what's going on out there, to observe nature, see what the seasons are doing, know what the moon is doing. And by that, you're going to be able to live in response because that's our job as priestesses, to live in response. And it's a lot harder to override these cycles when we become very, very aware of them. And so, yeah, that's another thing I would suggest. Such great advice. Emote, connect, observe. I hope everyone is taking notes on this. (laughs) And I'm sitting here head nodding with you because you are hitting on something that I try to talk about with my listeners all the time. And that is try to get out of the doing and into the being or getting out of the head and into the body. And there's so many great meditation tools and other things that you can do to help you get there. And you hit on quite a few of them, which is awesome. And I've been doing a lot of research over the past year on the parasympathetic system and its implications on the inflammation in your body and how it's just really, it comes full circle and it's very much integrated and tied into your adrenal system and how getting out of your head and into your body can really help relax yourself and get you into that parasympathetic system, which is where a lot of healing occurs. 
physically. That's just how we've been biologically designed, as parasympathetic system encourages healing. And all the research that I've been doing on this, there's it looks like there's so many diseases, especially diseases that women are often more subjected to, like PCOS or anxiety, depression, alcoholism, and even things like a weight fluctuation, and how it's all very much integrated with the ability to get into this parasympathetic system. And the things that you're mentioning, like emoting and connecting and observing, are all really powerful ways to engage that parasympathetic system so that you can get to that place of healing where you begin to heal yourself internally. And from a manifestation perspective, that's huge because when you start to heal from within, you're then making an outward impact on the people around you. And you really start to feel better, which is going to get you into a higher alignment. So the work you're doing is extremely important because I believe that everything we're able to heal within ourselves we heal within the world over time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that, you know, this is part of the work when we want to, when we want to manifest that which we desire for ourselves, for society, for our planet, we have to do this deep inner reclamation because we attract who we are. And so there is this, I call it a process of illumination that has to come before the reclamation. We have to illuminate that which isn't working for us. And then we have to start to clear it out so that we can then reclaim ourselves. And it's, it's really important part of the, of the manifestation process, remembering that we're not just here to manifest for ourselves on an individual level. This is collective. And through doing this, we are healing collective patterns that our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers did not have the knowledge to shift, and we do. And so I feel very, very connected to them as well, recognizing that this work is its not just about me living the life that I want, although I get to do that. It's, it's so much bigger than that. Yes, yes. And the more I learn about epigenetics and ancestral trauma and how that is showing up in our present realities based on our ancestors and who came before us, it is fascinating to learn about all the traumas and how they continue generationally. And we're dealing with a lot of that now as we talk about some really, some really big political shifts in our world as well. And I don't have an answer for that, but I think it's it's really interesting to get into that shadow work and to get into that work, that, that really deep interpersonal work that you're talking about and doing that identity shifting. Because everyone, I wouldn't say that everyone loves to do these things, but it's easier or it's more comfortable to jump into the, the meditations, the visualizations, the 55 by 5 method, you know, all of the things that you see a lot on social media. But it's a whole nother level of manifestation to say, okay, let's stop with the doing. Let's get into the being and figure out who am I at my core? What traumas do I need to work through? Which limiting beliefs have have not yet been addressed that I need to move through? And how has this showed up in my family generations prior? And how has that impacted where I am today? And as we start to heal this within ourselves, we're breaking that generational cycle. So you're absolutely right. This work is so, so critical, especially from a manifestation perspective, because who we are is what you're manifesting. You're absolutely right. We manifest our identities. So what better way to manifest than to recreate your core and to become better aligned 
with who you actually want to be. That way you can manifest them. And on the topic of manifestation, what is your favorite manifestation story? Hmm, I have quite a few, but I think my favorite one is, um, yeah, so back in 2013, I was like very like knee deep in my academic stuff, but I knew that I wanted to live near a beach and teach yoga and I couldn't even be further away from that. And so what I did for every day for like a few months was I would put my earphones in, I would listen to ocean sounds and I would just imagine that I was walking on the beach, that I was walking on the beach having just taught my yoga class. And I manifested it a couple of years later, there I was in the Philippines and that was my my life, that was what I was living. And if you'd have told me that I would be able to manifest that because it was literally so far away from what my life was at that time. I would have told you that I didn't really believe it, you know. And so for me, that's magic. That's a miracle because it and it happened so, so quickly. And um, I think that very often when it comes to manifestation, you know, we, we, we're planting the seeds and we're watering and we're expecting that after watering it a couple of times, you know, this, this plant is going to grow and blossom and bloom. And, you know, now I'm really into permaculture and gardening. So I understand how long it takes for something to grow. And we must have patience. We must have patience with our manifestations. They will come. They will come. It's just plant it in good soil, water it all the time, and then forget about it. And one day you'll just look in your garden and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, look at the tomatoes. They've grown so much. This is how it works. I always love hearing people's manifestation stories because I feel like they each pick up on a different nuance to manifestation. I feel like yours is very much about the visualization part, but then also releasing, which is a huge hiccup for a lot of people. They're like, well, I'm pestering the universe every single day. Why aren't they giving me what I want? It's like, it's that letting go part too. Yes, visualize. Yes, do the things that you feel called to do, and then ultimately still remember to let it go. You know, to use your analogy, if you keep going to your basil plant and messing with it every day, it might get agitated. <laughs> Just water it and let it go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know what? The way that I operate in my business is I just have, I have goals in my business, which is like, hmm, wouldn't it be great to have this amount of women join this program just because it feels really fun. Like the money doesn't mean anything, but it's just like, that would be really juicy. And then I just let it go. And I have these things in my business practice. Like I don't have notifications for when people sign up. So I can stay in the energy of this is already happening. This is already happening rather than constantly seeing my emails or constantly checking my social media and being like, why is nobody messaging me or emailing me or signing up? And that really, really helps me to stay in that energy. And, you know, I, every time I have a goal and I really let it go, it happens if I have a goal and it means something and I make it mean something about me and I need it, I'm operating from scarcity. So sometimes I can make it work, but it will just feel like pulling teeth out. And then other times it just won't work. So yeah, that's another, like with anything you desire, like I love what you said, it's the, the letting go. It's you decide and then let it go. You decide and let it go. And um, 
And you know what? We are in charge of the what and the why, but we are not in charge of the how and the when. And that's just powerful because, you know, it just gives us permission to just enjoy our lives. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I always talk about how the how is not something for us to worry about. But I love the addition of the when, because so many people are like, I have been visualizing for a week. Where is it? (laughs) It's like, you got to give, first of all, you got to give the universe more time than that. But also you might not be ready for it. What have, what is the universe still waiting for you to, to do before that is something that comes into your life? Or maybe that's something that is going to be great, but you have other lessons to learn before you get there. The when part is also something to, to release and just know that it's coming. It's a part of that knowing. And you also mentioned talking about your business. This is something I've been learning more about is this conscious entrepreneurism. You obviously are a business owner. You, by nature of owning a business, that can have some some masculine energy behind it, which is not bad. It's just a part of it. And then you're also embracing this priesthood or this priestess side of you that is much more feminine. And then you also have a lot of activism going on as well. Can you talk about how you're balancing that within your own business or what advice you might have for someone that's looking to be more of a conscious entrepreneur? Mm, I'm so glad you asked this question. So for me, I see our businesses as vehicles for individual transformation and abundance, but also social and environmental uh, transformation and abundance as well. And for me personally, particularly with the ideas of manifestation, I have over the past year really allowed myself to disentangle from the toxic capitalist tropes of individual wealth and recognize that I can accrue wealth that that gets to be that gets to be my destiny that gets and it's happening you know I've never had more financial resources than I have now and I have a responsibility to ensure that where that money flows to is in alignment with my values so again it's about being a channel We don't grab everything and hoard it all for us. Being a priestesshood is about the, uh, being in our priestesshood is about the collective. So it's about being conscious about when that money is coming in to our vessel and it flows out again. Where is it flowing to? Is this in alignment with what I truly believe? Am I supporting companies that have dire environmental practices? Am I supporting even coaches that are perhaps not haven't built enough equity into their business or whatever, or are are perpetuating this toxic grind culture, whatever it is, like, what am I supporting with my dollars? And then another part of the sacred activism has absolutely nothing to do with money. And it's all about the work that we're doing. So I know that my mission, for example, which is to help the feminine reclaim herself that is sacred activism. My work is sacred activism. It's not the same as going and protesting. That's not the kind of activism that I'm involved in. But when a woman feels good about herself, when she is living regeneratively, when she has a lot of energy for herself, when she is like putting boundaries down, when she is allowing herself to receive, that is that is sacred activism because these systems 
that we are part of, whether it's patriarchy or toxic capitalism or whatever it is, the systems that we are part of, they are made up of people. And so when we want to, I don't believe in smashing the patriarchy because that idea of smashing is very patriarchal in its nature, but I do believe in disentangling the patriarchy. And we do that one woman at a time when she feels different about herself When a woman feels different about herself, she'll show up differently. This is how we change systems. So that, for me, is is recognizing that our our businesses are so much more than, oh, I'm just going to make a fuck ton of money and I'm just going to, like, you know, um, be a millionaire and do all this stuff. No, like, that doesn't impress me. What are you going to do with that money and why? Like, why do you want this? And who else can you benefit in this? That's sacred activism. Mm, I love that. It's giving autonomy to women to be able to make a difference in this world. When they really have that sense of autonomy, then they're able to be those people that disentangle from the patriarchy. Such a beautiful way to bring this conversation full circle before we go. I would love to give you an opportunity. Can you share with our listeners where they can go to find you and get in touch? Oh, thank you. And I just thank you so much for having me here. So, yeah, if you guys have enjoyed this conversation, then the best way that you can reach me is through Instagram. You can check out my profile at Dr. Sarah Coxon. And, um, you know, I love to hear from you guys. I really love receiving DMs. One of the things that I'm really conscious about with my use of social media is not to worry so much about number of followers and likes and instead really focus on one-on-one connection through messages. So, do feel free to reach out and just let me know that you listen to this podcast and, you know, just say hi, or you can share, you know, something that really resonated with you. And then if you want to kind of go deeper into this, and if you want to meet your own inner priestess, then of course, I have my book, The Way of the Priestess, A Reclamation of Feminine Power and Divine Purpose. You can find that in Barnes and Noble, Waterstones, Amazon, pretty much anywhere where books are sold online. And yeah, there are a lot Lots of contemplative journal prompts and practices in there. So if you want to go deeper into accessing your own power and your own dharma, then that book is a, a really powerful gateway for you. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today and just sharing your journey, sharing your experience, really talking about this important topic of femininity and how we can all be embracing that a little better. Thank you so much for having me. Any time. It was such a pleasure to have you. And thank you, everyone that tuned in. If you want to be able to get in contact with Dr. Sarah Coxon, I will make sure that all of her information is linked in the show notes. That way you can go over there and easily find her. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share your love with friends and family also. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I will catch y'all next Monday. Until then, go out there and manifest some miracles. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with new episodes. As always, we would love it if you would share this episode with friends and family who could use the inspiration. As a new podcast show, we would really appreciate your honest feedback so I know what you like and what you could use more of. As a thank you for leaving us a rating, we will send you our seven weekly tips to create space for abundance. Make sure you screenshot your review and email it to us at hello at the T-H-E modernmanifestation.com so we can send them straight to your inbox. 
If you'd like to stay connected, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Modern Manifestation, or you can head to our website at themodernmanifestation.com. Thanks again for joining me, and I will catch y'all in the next episode.